Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the idea of golden handcuffs. Um, and for anyone who's listening who's not familiar with the term, golden handcuffs is essentially an expression used to describe compensation programs or strategies that companies will use uh, to try to retain or keep some of their top employers, employees. Um, typically, these are in the form of uh, long-term incentive bonuses. So, you know, something that might pay out, you know, for the, depending on how the company did this year, will pay you a, an extra bonus in two years. Or another form is stock options or kind of a stock gifts. So they give you every year, you know, maybe 100 shares of the company's stock, but they don't invest for one, two, three, or four years. So essentially, uh, you're kind of locked into this company in order to kind of get every dollar that they promised you. Um, so we're going to talk about what they are, um, you know, why they're effective and kind of the psychology behind it. And then, you know, making sure if you're, if you're in, in one of these programs or looking at them as a possible career change, you know, understanding your opportunity costs to make a decision um, and so that you, you kind of feel empowered that, you know, you're not trapped. You're either deciding to stay because it's the right thing or you're able to make a change, understanding that you might be leaving something on the table. So let's talk about a little what they are. Um, you know, I mentioned a couple of quick, quick examples. Typically, golden handcuffs, they are designed to lock up employees that would be um, difficult for a company to replace. So maybe a CEO or a CFO or you know, somebody who's a, a top sales professional, someone that brings a lot of revenue or means a lot to the organization. And typically, they're uh, the most common one that we see are stock options or, or stock programs. And, you know, if you're and sometimes, you know, as a newer employee, you might get an, an, a, a stock gift or a stock grant, or if you were hired from a competitive situation, you might receive stock in the company. And those stocks, uh, they have a vesting schedule. So they say, hey, you can have 100 shares of the company, um, but you can't cash them in for at least 12 months. And even after 12 months, you'd only cash in maybe a third or 25 percent. So every year um, they uh you know, you get access or you vest in more of those shares. So by year four, you fully vested in that that amount that they promised you up front. Um, so, you know, the the stock options or the stock vesting, um, you know, is, is very common. You know, and, you know, you, if you look at it from the company's perspective, they, you know, want, they hired you with the hope of you being there for, you know, an extended period of time, maybe not forever, but they want to make sure over the next three to five years that, you know, you're going to be around. And if they promised you X amount of compensation, if you decide to leave after a year, you know, they feel like, you know, they're, they're justified in kind of keeping some of that stock because you didn't really uh, live up to the potential of why they hired you. So, you know, that from the company's perspective, they make a lot of sense. They're designed to kind of hedge their bets about being able to pay somebody a little bit more, um, you know, so let's say they're hiring you from another company, you know, your cash compensation might be similar, a little bit better. Um, but if they throw on a, a $50,000 worth of stock, it, it looks like they're paying you $50,000 more. And if you stay with the company over three or four years, you will vest in those stock and you will realize that money. Uh, but if you leave after 12 months, because, you know, things didn't work out, uh, the company isn't out of pocket. So they can make a competitive offer that says, hey, we're going to pay you a lot more than you're currently making. But if you leave after 12 months, they're not uh, kind of, they haven't, they haven't paid you all that money. Um, 
those are so those are some of the probably the more common ones. Um, some of the more subtle ones that people don't maybe think of as golden handcuff strategies, but they come along with tenure or longevity in a company. Um, one is vacation days. You know, a lot of times I'll talk to people that have been in a company 15, 20 years and you know, they're not an executive, they're not making uh, you know, uh, top tier money, there's no stock in the program. Uh, but when we talk about career changes or other opportunities that might pop up, you know, they say, well, I've got four or five, six weeks vacation. If I go to a new company, even though I might make a few dollars or it might be an exciting opportunity, I'd go back to two weeks or three weeks vacation. So although it's not a uh, uh, you know a traditional golden handcuffs, those those extra vacation days you know act as a, a retention tool for companies to retain some of their top talent, and it is a, a cost that you might be leaving on the table if you did make a change. Some of the other little ones, you know the corner office or office with a window uh, or an office in general. Uh, you know, a lot of companies now are cutting down on real estate and going to these hotel strategies. So if you're in a place that you have your own office, your own space, you know, that that's something that might keep you there a little bit longer, um, like parking space or, you know, access to parking if you're, you're working in a city. You know, all these little kind of uh, fringe benefits, um, they're acting as a form of a retention. So, you know, as the employer, if you are a, if you are an employer um, uh, and maybe you're not a publicly traded company, but you might be start thinking about, well, what could I do uh, for employees that would be kind of a value add that might be something that might help me retain these people a little bit longer and make them want to stick around. So you know, I'm not in a position where I can give everyone an extra $20,000 of compensation, but if I can do some things that might make it a little bit better to stick around here versus somewhere else. Um, you know, those might be some things you might start thinking about. Um, from the employee's standpoint, uh, you want to, you know, take what's given you in salary and, you know, make try to find the best offer possible. But but also understanding that these these things that they're giving you, um, you know, there's kind of a gimme and a gotcha. So, yes, you're going to get it, but it's also going to make it harder for you if you wanted to kind of pursue other opportunities because you're going to become a little bit more vested and a little bit more um, you know, tied to that company. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with staying with one company for 20, 30 years and, you know, building up some of these uh, fringe benefits and making a good salary and, you know, benefiting from the, some of their long-term compensation structures. Um, but you just want to be aware of, of kind of both sides, why the employer is doing it, what's their motivation. And as the employee, how can I leverage them? And also, you know, no, understand that if I ever did want to make a change, how do I think through that? Um so when it comes to why are these programs effective, and I, I kind of gave a few examples of, of the why, um, but one of the, from a psychological standpoint, if you think about possession, um, you know, once you have something, it's very hard to give it away. And if you give it away, you see it as a loss. So uh, technically they gave you stock with a vesting schedule. Um, so you think it's yours, but until it vests, it's really not yours, but you think you've got it. Well, if you have it, uh, but you're not vested and you want to leave, now you feel like you are losing something. So the act of taking possession of it, even though you don't really have it uh, all up front, uh, is, a, is a mental block for a lot of people when they're thinking about making a change or making a leave. The other place we see this, not so much in compensation structures, but when we talk about market performance, um, you know, let's use the last five years as an example. You know, if you put money in your 401k in 2018, 2019, by the end of 2021, you probably were out of uh, your all-time high balance. So if you, let's say, you put $20,000 in in 2018 and it had grown, 
with the market surge after uh, COVID, you know, it was up, let's say it was up to $40,000. Um, you looked at your statement and said, I have $40,000. And then you didn't open it up for one more year. And, you know, market corrections in 2022 may have erased, you know, 20 or 30% of your market gains. So now you looked at your statement in uh, the end of 2022 and you have $30,000. And let's assume you didn't put any new money in. So you put 20,000 in about five years ago. Now you have 30,000. Most people don't go, well, hey, I've got $10,000 more than I started with. What they do is they say, I've lost $10,000 because as soon as they saw it on their statement, they took possession of it. Even though we all know if you're 35 years old, the money that's in your 401k, you really can't touch till you're 59 and a half. Um, but you kind of, you kind of took a, a sense of belonging to that high watermark. And when it, when it goes back down, now you feel like you've lost something. And you know, eventually markets will recover and that 30 will go back to be 40 and maybe 50, 60, 70,000, um, which is the psychology of investing. But you know, that idea of possession, once you think it's yours, the pain of loss or the pain of, of, of giving that away is, is hard. It's, it's, it's a lot harder than if you've never had it in the first place. Um, you know, if, you're, if anyone who's listening you know, might remember the old Columbia House tape strategy where they would send you 10 tapes for a penny. And if you didn't want them, all you had to do was send them back. But if you didn't send them back, they started charging you $19.95 a month or whatever it may be. They understood that. Once you have possession of something, it's really hard to give it away. Even if it's a crappy band that you didn't like, hey, you know what? It's mine. It's in my tape deck. It's there. I don't want to give it back. So that idea of, of possession, um, you know, the employer understands that. And, you know, the people who design these benefits programs understand that. Say, if we can uh, if they feel like they have it, it's going to be harder for them to give it away. And if it's harder for them to give it away, they're more likely to stick around, uh, you know, even if things are a little bit bumpy. So, you know, they might weather the storm with us a little bit because they they feel like they have more. Um, so, and if they do leave, well, well, they didn't, we didn't give it to them all of it. So we're, we're okay as well as the company. So, um, you know, when you when you look at uh, vacation time, once again, you accrue and earn that vacation time. And yes, there's a risk that if you make a change, you might be giving up those days. But um, you know, those those vacation days are are valuable. Um, you know, some people really come to you know uh, you know say, hey, I've got six weeks vacation, I can't give that up. The interesting thing is, you know, if you talk to anybody, most of the clients I talk to that are earned six weeks, seven weeks vacation, they never take them. They, you know, they take weekends here and there, they take a couple of weeks vacation, but almost every single year they're finishing the year with unused vacation days. So, you know, you kind of look and say, well, yes, I've got all these vacation days, but am I ever able to, to use them? Do I, you know, isn't within my role and with my company, if I were to use all these vacation days, how's that viewed or frowned upon? So, um, you know, you, you start to see what you've got, you want to internalize it and see, you know, is it, is it good for me? Is it important for me? Um, you know, just because I have it doesn't mean I need it or I need to keep it. So, you know, we talked a little about, you know, what these golden handcuffs are. And this is a subject that, you know, you might really is a case by case scenario for individuals and, you know, wanted to make sure everyone understood what they were and, you know, how they might impact you. But really, you know, when it comes from a financial planning perspective, usually where we see this discussion take place is, um, you know what, I'm not happy in my job and I think I want to leave or I want to retire early, but I don't want to leave a lot of money on the table. So this is where we start to have the dialogue about opportunity costs and understanding that, um, you know what, if you stay at the current job, it might be 
the, you, you, you probably will make a little bit more money over the next three to five years in that job than if you transitioned or did something different or retired earlier. But you have to understand that it's not always just about, uh, you know, that do- the next dollar. You know, so for some people that may want to retire early, um, they've got these stock vesting programs. So they've got this bonus. It's always, you know what, uh, it's, it's May of 2024. I'm miserable at work, but I get a bonus in March of 2025. So I'm going to stick around. So, you know, we talk a little bit about, well, yes, if you stick around, you will earn that bonus and you will get paid for the next nine months, but you have to be miserable for nine more months. So the opportunity cost is that lack of time, maybe the emotional or stress or anxiety that comes with that job for the next nine months, the inability to spend time with family or friends or go on that vacation in those nine months. So, you know, yes, there might be a $19,000 bonus that you don't want to leave on the table, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, what does that $19,000 mean to you and to your life and your happiness? So when we run the projections, if that $19,000 is the difference between you running out of money at age 87 or, you know, having enough money in your bank account through age 100, you're probably going to stick around. But if the difference is you having, you know, you run that projection says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to die with $1.2 million. or I'm going to die with $1.3 million. If I get that extra bonus, um, you might, you know, be able to say, well, I get, it. I'm going to have to leave something on the table, but now is the right time for me. Uh, we see it also with uh, individuals that are part of a stock purchase plan or have a stock bonus and want to consider your career change. So, you know, usually at one certain levels, you're getting stock every single year. So if you work for a, a larger company, usually one of the ways they compensate you is they give you some shares every single year. So you get, you know, some of your cash bonus, but maybe you get 10 or 15 shares awarded to you uh, during bonus time. And those, once again, those shares have a vesting schedule. So in, in year one, you get, you know, 50 shares and only 10 vest every single year. Um, but by the fourth or fifth year, if you're getting 50 new shares every single year, you now have, you know, 50 shares vesting every year because you have 10 from, you know, that five year go bonus and 10 from the four year and 10, so on and so forth. So now you're like, uh, if I make a change, I have to give, I have to leave 50 shares or 75 shares of stock on the table. Um, so if I just wait another year, maybe I'll, 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 be able to cash more of those in. So you wait another year, but then they give you 50 more shares. So now you're back to always having 75 shares or 50 shares that you're going to have to leave on the table. So, you know, what we try to do is help clients quantify, well, what does that mean? So how much, when it's all said and done, how much of those stock, if they were all to vest, or if you were to forego that, those vested, unvested stocks, how much is it in cash to you? Um, and then really realizing you have to pay tax on those stocks. So we have to look at the, the after-tax value to you. So then we say, okay, well, let's say $22,000. If you didn't have $22,000, would it impact your ability to buy the next house, retire early, send your kids to college? And if the answer is no, you, you start to internalize, well, yeah, I'm leaving something on the table, but so what? I, I'm allowed, I, I've earned this right to make this change or decision. The other thing we'll say is, okay, well, there's $22,000 you're leaving on the table. When you go to negotiate your next salary or you go to that new employer, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm making 120, you're going to pay me 130. That's great. I really appreciate the bump in salary. But what you don't realize is I'm I'm giving up $22,000 in stock that I have vested in the company. Can we, you know, do 135 or is there any stock in this company or is there a a bonus or a transition structure that we can work that might, uh, you know, 
offset some of that. You know, maybe it's a half day on Friday or working from home a day a week or, you know, whatever is important to you. But, you know, if you understand that value and you can incorporate that into your negotiations of a future job offer, um, you know, it can, it can help you kind of be in a, in a place of more confidence as opposed to always feeling like you're giving up or losing on something. So um, once again, golden handcuffs, you know, it's a term that's been thrown around. There's, you know, executive compensation is probably the more appropriate. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for each individual out there, you have to understand what's keeping you at this company. What, you know, what, you know, why are you staying? What's the, what's the company trying to do to keep me and understanding their motivation as well as what's important to you, you know, may, you know, one, add value to the things that you're getting. So the things that they're giving you, they're significant value and you want to appreciate those and you maybe be, you know, uh, appreciative of the company, but also understanding that, uh, if there is a time I have to make a decision or change, uh, what I'm giving up, what does it mean for me? And can I make that up more in the next stage? Or can I exchange that for time and money and, and uh, not money, but time and, and well-being and happiness and all the other things that might come with, with a new uh, change, of, a change of scenery? So, um, you know, if you're not in a position where you're getting stock or dealing with golden handcuffs, you can kind of just stick this in the memory bank. So when you do get to that point, it, you're ready for it. Um, but, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully you got at least one good idea out of today. And until next time, I'm Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.